Warning, Tongue and Geek contains heavy spoilers. If you haven't read, watched, or played the content being reviewed this episode, know that we will definitely spoil major plot points. Also, this show isn't for kids. We use words like and and it would take too much time and effort to edit them all out. Please don't tell our moms. Digimon, Digimon, Digital Monsters, Digimon are the champions! Hello, lovely listeners, and welcome to Tongue and Geek, where two more white guys on the internet give their unsolicited opinions on all things geeky. I'm Isaac. I'm Tyler. And today, we'll be reviewing Digimon, the movie, the American adaptation of three separate Digimon movies originally released in Japan. Uh, Tyler, you want to give us some background on that? Backgrounds? Yeah. <laughs> You're the background guy. You've uh, always been the background guy. All I know about Digimon is that people consider it, you know, the big Pokemon knockoff, but it has garnered a very supportive and loyal fan base over the past 20 some odd years. Mm-hmm. And the people who love it basically, you know, just like, hey, you know, just because it's about children going on adventures with a bunch of different little monsters doesn't mean it's like Pokemon. And. Uh, judging by what we just watched, there really <laughs> isn't much of a comparison. No. Um, when we were watching it, I was thinking to myself, this is all over the place. Was this written and produced to be as is, or is it like a smash of a bunch of different other, you know, separate projects? And it was. Lo and behold, lo and behold when we looked it up, it was. It was three separate short films, essentially, that I think they're all of them are like 45 minutes to an hour long at most. All three edited down to about 25 minutes each. They cut out 40 they cut out 40 plus minutes of footage and I think most of it was from the third one. And then they just kind of mashed it all together with like the weakest of framing devices possible. Yeah, so that that's all thanks to Saban Entertainment and 20th Century Fox. I actually looked it up uh, on the Wikipedia page, they like it, it. This is technically considered a different uh, project than any of the original Digimon films that is actually used. This is basically an abridged movie made from the pieces of the original. It, ha- it has about the same canonical weight as like Team Four Star does to Dragon Ball. Although I would argue that Team Four Star did a much better job of adapting Dragon Ball. And apparently, um, shit. God damn it. Don't look up information and try to make a point at the same time, Tyler. <laughs> um, I will say, while, you, while you're trying to figure that out, I will say that despite what we're going to talk about in this movie, it was a huge box office success. It made $16 million that, worldwide uh, with a $5 million budget, so it made a lot of money. What I wanted to, that's what I wanted to say. I was also thinking while we were watching this fever dream, I'm like, did this get a theatrical like release or was it just like direct to video? No, it apparently it was a wide theatrical release. Yeah. Which which blow I mean, technically the animation quality is totally up to par with something released theatrically, but I mean we'll get into it narratively. <laughs> it's it's absolutely insane. We didn't watch the, because uh, I'll go ahead and say it, we watched a version of this on YouTube because it's impossible to find a digital version of this anywhere, despite it being Digimon. Um, so we didn't watch the crappy little 
Angela Anaconda bit that is technically a part of this movie. It's like not like a preview thing or something. It's like technically in the movie itself. Uh, this yeah, Angela like a little prologue. Yeah, but we didn't watch that. But yeah, that's about them going to the theaters to watch this movie. This was a theatrically released movie. It made a bunch of money. Big success. Um, I think. It's- I think we need to kind of talk about what the fuck Angela Anaconda is first. <laughs> you ca- the, what? Angela? What the hell are they talking about? <laughs> well, I'm this was... Know what Angela Anaconda is. I, <laughs> I vaguely remember it when I saw that clip of those characters. It all came flooding back. I was like, oh, God, that thing. It was this early 2000s animated show. I, I honestly don't even remember if it came on Nick or... Cartoon Network or Fox or I think it was I think it was Fox. It had to have been Fox because it was because Digimon. Yeah. Anyway, I'm not going to get into the whole plot of Angela Anaconda other than the design aspect of it is complete nightmare fuel. <laughs> it's they're all like weird paper cutout looking renditions of real children, it's hard to explain through audio. Like, they're all in black and white. They're all grayscaled. Yeah, go Google Angela Anaconda. In fact, you can probably just look up the Digimon intro for the Angela Anaconda thing and see just how bad it was, because it's literally her, like, bitching about some popular girl being in the front row or something. And it's it's a dumb little add-in that they really didn't need, but it was used to basically promote this other cartoon that they had at the time. And yeah, it's it's definitely cut out animation, um, judging by the Wikipedia article. And if you look this up and it comes flooding back to you, and you're like, oh my god, I remember that. It it looks like weird kind of photographs of like these kids as the characters. That's exactly what it is. They were black <laughs> and white photographs of the the kids that they like warped and stretched. Poor Angela Anaconda. Some actual child out there has their face plastered on this like Canadian American cartoon. <laughs> it's just like that's yeah, their it's, legacy. It's just if if you can find or own a physical copy of Digimon the movie, it's a fascinating relic of like late nineties, early two thousands yeah. pop culture. Like it's this weird little time capsule. I wanna like, give a little bit of my personal background with Digimon. So I watch I was I'm a ninety five baby, so I watched Digimon when it came out in like ninety nine through two thousand. So I was like four and five when Digimon was like at its peak hot. So I remember nothing about Digimon except this movie, basically. I remember watching this movie over and over and over again as a kid. I loved this movie as a kid. Then I didn't watch it for years. And then I think we started watching it, like, five or six years ago, and then something came up and we just stopped after, like, the Angela Anaconda thing. And then, like, the other night, you and me were just like, ah, we got nothing else to do. Let's watch this Digimon movie. Find it online. Oh, boy, I'm glad we didn't watch this one sober, because it was an experience. Yeah, yeah, um, you know, drink responsibly, kids. But, um... This is a good drunk movie. The the addition of substances definitely helps in the enjoyment of this movie. Yeah. This is a great drunk movie. If you get a little plastered, this is a, this is a fun one. Um, and it's, it's kind of watching it with you was kind of full circle because <laughs> um, you're kind of my gateway into, you know, anime and manga and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So like you've been saying, you know, we should watch the Digimon movie. Like it's got great animation. It's got great animation. We should just watch it sometime. You've been saying it for years and we, we finally sat down to do it and it was 
it was a full circle bonding moment and it broke your brain at the end. It but really we, did. I, won't, I won't bury the lead. <laughs> we'll get to that for that. Uh, so let's, let's talk about this movie. Um, so we'll talk about oh, it. Wait, what- you didn't ask me my background. Oh yeah. What's your background with Digimon? Uh, I don't have any. Okay, great. <laughs> no, I, all I, I do remember that I watched it a lot for a very short period of time back when it first came out. Mm-hmm. But that's it. I, I guess I just lost interest at some point because at that point, Pokemon had already been out in the States for three, four years. And like, that was already my life. So, like, I don't think there was much room for another small monsters and kids. Yeah. And this came out on, like, the Fox Kids, 4Kids block, where there were, like, dozens of cartoons coming out. So, like, it kind of bled into a bunch of others. Um, At least the English dub. I'm sure the original Japanese sub of this is a lot better, but um, we didn't watch that. We watched the English dub of the movie that was, like, Frankenstein together out of three other movies. So let's just get into it. Uh, so the first movie's plot, which is like the first third of this movie, is we get baby versions of the main characters from the first season of Digimon, which are called the Digidestined, is who they are. I think Ty is the name of the main character. But, uh, it was we, Ty. It we, is Ty. Yeah, we got baby versions of the Digidestined, uh, and it's a, like a prequel to the series where they meet like a Digimon egg that comes out of their computer during an electric storm. It doesn't really explain why or how this happens. Maybe yeah, there's some... It's just happening. Yeah. Maybe there's some lore in the Digimon show that explains how this can happen, but nope, it just it just happens. Here's a Digimon, and uh, the Digimon turns out to be I forget what its first form is called, the little pink testicle looking thing, but um, it's Agumon. It's the dinosaur one that's basically like the Pikachu of the franchise. So they get their little Agumon, which turns out to be a big Agumon. Like when he gets to his Agumon stage, he's like the size of a T Rex. Um, and you just have these two little babies, like Ty and his little sister, not Ty, what's the, what's the little girl's name? Shit. Kari. Kari. Yes, Ty and Kari, uh, they're just trying to, like, hide this Digimon from their mom and take care of it and keep it for themselves, and there's a few cute little moments where they're playing with it, um, then it gets big, it turns into the big Agumon form, and then randomly another Digimon appears from the sky out of an egg like the size of the moon, and it's like this big parrot Digimon that pops out, and, you know, Agumon fights it, turns into Greymon. It's Parrotmon. It's literally Parrotmon? Uh, that's, yeah, that's, yes, it is Parrotmon, wow. that's the name. Wow. Okay, so Parrotmon. God, they were not original with their naming conventions for this series. Parrotmon shows up, uh, fights Agumon, kicks Agumon's ass, and then through the power of love, uh, the kids turn Agumon into Greymon, which is its, like, big T-Rex form with, like, the Triceratops school on it. The coolest form, definitely. Uh, he kicks the Parrotmon's ass, and they both disappear for some reason. (laughs) <laughs> like, I get, I think the Parrotmon was destroyed, but Greymon just disappears after that. And that's the end of the first third. It's just, it's just an, basically a 20 minute action scene is what it is. Basically. It's like half of it's just cute little hijinks with these kids. Um, and then the other half is just like Agumon wrecking shop and Greymon wrecking shop on Parrotmon. 
and the action sequences are great. Like, like it, the animation does hold up. It's by um, Mamoru Hosoda, who does Summer Wars and a bunch of other movies that I'll talk about later. Uh, he does some great animation, and like it's really beautiful to look at during the action sequences. But <laughs> um, the, the animation, it's just the animation itself deserves a better dub. It really does. A, a better narrative. Yeah, because even though this is Digimon the movie, you would expect it to cater to fans, but also try to be accessible. You know, maybe to new audience members. But this is not that at all. It just it. I don't even know if the show really goes into explaining exactly what the Digiverse is or what the Digimon are. I'm sure it might. I don't know, but like this movie is just like there are. There's a digital world. There are monsters in it. Digimon. They can come into our world, they fight, they fight in the digital world too, and they come from eggs, and they're just, it's just, it just happens. All of it just happens. It just there's there's no, there's no context. Yeah. And, at uh, all. it doesn't help that the pacing in this movie is atrociously fast. <laughs> not just in, like, the actual action, like, not just in, like, the narrative itself, but in the actual dialogue. It is just back to yeah. back to back to back to back. Just constant, like them making these terrible little jokes, and like it's yeah, just it, like it's, it's like watching it on one five speed, but it's not in one five speed. Yeah. It's just there's just constant talking and noise. They and never stop talking the whole time. Car, if if the characters themselves aren't talking, then Kari is narrating over what's happening. Like there's no silence in this movie. A lot of the voice acting though is genuinely decent and charming, mm-hmm. and and some of the humor does land. But, like, because it's so rapid-fire and so constant, it just it has this cumulative effect where you're just kind of glazed over just letting this movie happen to you. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, uh, we talked about this um, before. First off, again, this is another... This is a great drunk movie to watch. But the, we found it funnier that all these jokes were just happening back to back to back to back than any of the individual jokes themselves. Like, you just kind of, like, get caught up in it. You don't have time to process that, like, oh, this movie's bad. It's just, like, I am just enjoying the speed at which this is happening because it is utterly ridiculous. Um, yeah, it, it, it balances... It, I wouldn't say it balances, but it walks this line between obnoxious and actually charming. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know how charming it would be completely sober, but... It slightly inebriated. It was. I was like, you know, this this is a good time. Yeah, I mentioned way back in our Godzilla versus Kong review that I have a thin line between ironic and sincere enjoyment. I think this one definitely falls on the ironic enjoyment side. But I will say, if this had been like a faithful adaptation of that this movie, I don't know if I would have enjoyed it as much. If it was like a serious Digimon movie that explored, like, heavier themes and had more, like, connection to the lore of the real world. I I don't know if I would have enjoyed it as much as I did this, like, rapid-fire, like, shittily-dubbed, almost-abridged version (laughs) that just got kind of thrown together. Like, I think I enjoy it more because of how, like, it's set up this way that's clearly technically horrible, but also very funny to watch them just, here's a poop joke, here's a fart joke, here's a, here's a joke yeah, about, like, beans or something. It's so irreverent. <laughs> like, the humor's so, like, random and, like, irreverent. Mm-hmm. There's, like, 
the characters have like this unaffected sort of like dryness <laughs> to a lot of their dialogue. <laughs> Or it's just kind of like dry and just like ah, and glib. It's so weird. I'm like, mm. is it is it the second segment that has the mom character that? Yes, I am, she's the best character in the movie. She's just like hilariously oblivious to everything that's happening. <laughs> she really is. She's like cooking food and she's like, "Does anybody want three bean casserole?" And he's like, "No, mom." And she's like, "That's fine. I've only got two beans anyway." <laughs> it's just. On to the next dialogue! And then, like, another joke immediately follows it. You don't get any time to process that joke, but it's still, like... Like, the fact that... I, I don't know. It's... It should be obnoxious, but it's it's wonderfully fun to watch while not sober, because you're just taking all of this in. You're just kind of like... It feels like you're on a roller coaster. Like, all of this is happening so fast, and I can't process everything, but I'm enjoying the experience of being here. Yeah, I don't know what it says about us that we could not follow the story of a Digimon movie, but for the life of me, I just... It completely lost me. <laughs> like, I'm like... It just, it, I'm sure a lot of that lays on the film itself. Well, yeah, they, they cut out 40 minutes, and especially in the third act, it's the worst, but, like, they cut out 40 minutes of material that explains what the hell's going on, so. The first segment, even though it doesn't explain anything, it's, it works in and of itself in that, you know, oh, these monsters come, and we bond with one of them for a bit, and then another one comes and they fight in the end. Yeah. Like, that's fine. And then once you get to the second one, which skips like four years. Yeah, it takes place like, after the events of the first season of Digimon. It's like after the Digidestined have finished up whatever their mission was. So much happens in the middle portion of this movie. <laughs> it's absolutely insane. Yeah, it's so just... So the middle section, let's go over the plot of that real quick. The Digidestin are older, they're not teenagers. They discover this virus Digimon that hatches, and it starts eating the internet. Um, so they send their Digimon in to go and stop it, and it launches nukes at Japan in response. So they have to send in their Digimon again in their bigger ultimate forms or something, and then they beat this thing by sit spamming it with emails from people all over the world. <laughs> like, which slows it down enough for their Digimon to beat it. And, like... <laughs> yeah, if, if that sounds like enough story to fill out its own movie, it's because it is. It is its own movie. Yeah. <laughs> but it's just condensed and shoved into the middle well, of another movie. It's hilarious because this section by this director basically got made into a different movie. Uh, Hasoda made a movie called Summer Wars that is basically this exact plot of, oh, there's a virus taking over the internet and we have to stop it before it launches nukes at Japan. <laughs> It is the exact same plot as this middle section of the Digimon movie, and it's way better because it actually has, like, themes that it explores, and it's not just slapped into the middle of two other plots. Yeah, if if you're watching this and you think for the first 20 minutes, oh, this is kind of it's kind of flying by, it kind of doesn't slow down, it kind of doesn't take a breath. Once you get to the second part, that doubles. That mm -hmm. feeling doubles. Like, the dialogue is even more rapid-fire, the plot development is even more hectic. So the jokes are even more irreverent. It just keeps going. And it, it's it's exacerbated by the fact that the first one mostly focuses on Ty and Kari uh, as little, little kids. And then the second segment focuses on Ty and TK as the main ones, and also Matt. Or not TK, uh, 
shit, I forgot what the nerdy one's name is that was hanging out with Ty. The one who had to poop because he drank the... Izzy. <laughs> Izzy, yes. Yeah. Ty and Izzy and then Matt are all, like, the main characters. And then you also get little glimpses of, like, what the rest of the team's doing. And there's, like, six or seven members of this team, so... Yeah, there's so many. Yeah. And if, if you if you let your attention wander even the slightest bit, or if you get distracted just the slightest bit, mm-hmm. you lose a vital piece of context. Like, what little context there is, you, you lose it if you just get distracted even slightly. Yeah. Like, I like they kept cutting back to, like, one character, one of the Digidestined. And I'm like, who the fuck is that? And you're like, it's Durda! <laughs> one of the Digidestined! And I'm like, okay, okay. Yeah. <laughs> like, I guess I missed that. There's, there's a subplot of, like, him trying to apologize to one of the female Digidestined, who I think's supposed to be his love interest or something. And, like, why? There's like a nuclear missile thing going on, and it's just like this. They keep coming back to, man, you need to send her an email. Man, you need to call her. It's like the world's about to explode, and we're t- we keep talking about this subplot of I need to apologize to this girl, and the reason it was he was supposed to apologize was that he was said something about like, oh man, you don't look good with this hair clip or something, and that pissed her off. It's just like, this is such a pointless little detail to add into the movie, but you did anyway. Yeah, the, the second segment, it, it has the main, the main story, which, like, it starts off as kind of a, kind of a spooky mystery. What's this, like, evil Digimon, like, eating the internet? And, like, it does, it introduces that Digimon, and then it escalates to the good Digimon are fighting, and then they're losing because it's so powerful, and then it's, Oh no, like it's expanding and it's getting more dangerous and then there's nukes and then throughout all this, like it's trying to like also tell these little side stories with the characters, like the little romance subplot. Yeah. And like and all the side humor with like the mom and her weird cooking habits. Yeah, like, and, the it makes, and it makes Izzy like, have to go to the bathroom in the middle yeah. of the fight. <laughs> there's an ex an extended joke of the mom just cooking whatever and like Izzy just is like, oh, yeah, I'm totally into it. I like it all. And he keeps drinking, I think it's potato juice. Yeah, it's like potato <laughs> juice. It's just this brown sludge in a cup. And he keeps drinking it. And then, like, d- during a very intense part, he's just like, oh, God, it's happening. <laughs> like, shit himself. <laughs> it's great. I love it. Um... And that's the that's they stop the nuke. They did. And that's the story. That's like, it. The end. <laughs> like they you, win. You can't, you can't analyze or dissect it because there's it's there's nothing to analyze or dissect. It's just it just kind of happens, and you're just kind of there for it. Yeah. So that's the second segment. The third segment. Okay. Throughout the whole movie, it's being narrated by Kari, who's one of the Digi Destined from the first series, and apparently she and TK go on to the third and final segment. It, I just completely, it just completely loses me at that point because it introduces a bunch of new characters, which is, which are the second gen of Digi Destined. Yeah, the third segment com- completely loses me because it shifts to the second generation of Digi Destined, which are all new characters except for the little sister, the little sister and, and TK. They're older and, now. Yeah, and like the leader isn't Ty, but looks a lot like Ty and acts a lot like Ty. So half of this last segment. I didn't know it was. Just, wasn't Ty. I remember you looked at me. He's like, what? "Where's Agumon? Why doesn't Ty have Agumon anymore?" I'm like, "That's not Ty." And to be fair, the movie does establish that it's not Ty. Yeah, but it does so very fast. <laughs> you blink and, and you miss it. You blink, you miss it. And I'm just like, "Wait, 
I was so confused. Yeah. And this this is easily the most convoluted of the three. Yeah, and it's also the one they cut the most out of, which makes it so much harder to follow. And part of the problem is that throughout the whole movie, Kari is just, like, narrating over thing, and she's trying so desperately hard to tie the three plots together, even though they have nothing to do with each other. And she keeps mentioning this kid named Willis, who, like isn't relevant until the third part. And we find out that Willis is just this kid in America who has his own Digimon, and one of them turned evil and is trying to kill him or send him back in time or something that's not clearly explained. Uh, and the rest of the Digidestins show up and try and help Willis because reasons. Bad Digimon. Because like- reasons. <laughs> As as wacky and crazy and fast-paced as the first two segments are, there's at least a semblance of a flow that you can follow what's going on. Mm-hmm. But with the third one, like it's so choppy because they literally chopped it to bits. There's 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 no sense of pacing. There's no sense of like flow. It's it's a it's 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 a piece of dog shit. Like, it really I'm, is. Not min- I'm not gonna mince words. The third segment really brings down the entertainment value of the movie. The, the best slash worst part of the whole movie is when not Ty is there, like talking to Willis, and Willis tells him his backstory or something, and then not Ty starts crying. He's like, "That's the saddest story I ever heard." And then Willis is like, "Why are you crying? This happened to me, not you. Get over it." And then he just immediately turns around. And goes okay, and he's just fine. It's amazing. Like it, that, that can't that can't have happened that way. No, version. it just cannot have happened that no, way. No, there had to have been an actual like serious conversation there about something, and like, but no, in this one, it's nothing. It's just like okay, it's over. Like the final like ten minutes of the last part, just it's just this collection of just color and noise. To me, like, there's a battle, they're digivolving, and they're trying to accomplish the goal of, I guess, making the bad Digimon a good Digimon, Kokomon, I think that's what it is. It's like a big rabbit one, and Willis has another rabbit one that has, like, Gatling guns for hands, but, like, it's so confusing because... First off, they start digivolving their own Digimon to fight against Kokomon, but then Kokomon de-digivolves them through the power of time travel, which also makes yeah, all the right. kids yeah. young, like, makes the kids into, like, babies. <laughs> it's like, nothing that's happening makes any sense. It's just, things yeah. are just happening until Kokomon- I, I literally turned and looked at you during the last ten minutes of this battle and was just like- what the hell is going on? <laughs> and then it ends up like Pokemon eats to like Willis's Digimon and not Ty's Digimon. Again, I don't remember their names, but he eats them and then they somehow blow him up from the inside, which turns him back into a Digimon egg and makes him not evil anymore for some reason. And I mean, the, we're doing a terrible job at actually explaining what's happening. Only because the movie does a terrible job of actually because explaining it makes what no happens. damn sense. Nothing that happens in this movie makes any sense. There's, I, I remember it tying back to the virus. Does it, it ties back to the virus from the second one? Doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, apparently the virus mutated the second, which the second villain Digimon is called Diaboromon, which I think 
if I remember correctly, was Diablomon in the original, but people are like, oh no, Diablo means devil. We can't put that in the English version. People will riot. And it's like, okay. But, um, yeah, I think they loosely said that, like, the virus that corrupted Diaboromon also corrupted Kokomon. Yeah, and that's, that's what it was. In order to fix that, they blow him up from the inside, which somehow takes him back to his egg form. I <laughs> because that's just how it has to be, I guess. That's and, just how it works. <laughs> and then this, and then after everything is wrapped up, <laughs> this is when I thought you were gonna have an aneurysm. I about did. <laughs> the movie ends now. Let me really set the set the stage here. This came out in two thousand. Mm-hmm. Okay, Shrek came out in 2001. If people listening are savvy, they might know where this is going. Yep. <laughs> like, the final scene in this movie <laughs> is Kokomon <laughs> dancing to All-Star <laughs> by Smash Mouth. <laughs> he's, he's losing it again. Like, it just it just cuts to, to Kokomon just swaying back and forth like a dummy. Humming to All-Star it. He's humming is, to it. He's going, <laughs> <laughs> Well, that's blasting through the soundtrack, and it's just... <laughs> it's my- I mean, we're, we're the meme culture, you know, we're the internet culture, um, so that is hilarious on multiple levels. We didn't talk like, about the soundtrack to this movie, it's all, like, late 90s, it's a nostalgia trip through late 90s, like... Yeah, it, it, the soundtrack also just goes with how much of a time capsule this is, yeah. just... You can, if you want to educate people on late 90s, early 2000s pop culture, all you have to do is give them a copy of Digimon the movie. Yeah. Like, there's so much of that era in this movie. This it's is insane. what the kids were into those days. <laughs> this, is just, this is what it was. This is the early 2000s, late 90s. Like, yeah. oh, just the fact that it used All Star, an animated family movie used All Star. Before, Before Shrek. Shrek. <laughs> it's oh, amazing. It's, oh, chef's, chef's kiss. This, this like, is a meme movie. This movie was meant to be memed. <laughs> and it hasn't been that I know of. Like, internet, get on it. Yeah. This, this is, it's prime, prime meme territory. It really is. I guess maybe because the Digimon fandom probably hates it for how bad of an adaptation it is, or maybe people are too nostalgic for it, and they're like, no, it's still good, but, like, no. This is this is a drunk movie. You watch this when you are on something and you want to laugh your ass off. Or, and if you can't take the inane dialogue and how much of it there is, put it on mute and just enjoy the animation, because the animation is pretty great. It's, it's beautiful action and sequences. Hasoda is an amazing animator, animation director, um, but, like, that is the only actual high-quality element of this movie. Everything else is complete ironic enjoyment. I don't know how much else I can say about the actual series yeah. itself. This will be a short episode, everybody, because there's not much to actually talk about the movie itself. You kind of just oh, have wait, to wait. experience it. We can segue into other stuff. We could talk about how... Um, we could talk... You wanted to do a video game. We could talk about how you sucked at Crash Team Racing Nitro Fueled. <laughs> Are we just going to talk about our weekend? What? <laughs> Why not? <laughs> Welcome to Our Weekend, the podcast. So, Crash Team Racing, I sucked because I didn't know that the boost, you had to, like, you could keep boosting. I thought after you boosted once, it was over. I got my ass kicked by Tyler all weekend because I kept using the boost wrong until, like, 
the last hour or so that we were playing, and I'm like, shit, I just figured out how this works. Which is very vindicating, because we've established in previous episodes, Isaac's the gamer, I'm not. I'm a very, very mm-hmm. casual gamer. The games I do play are ones that he really wants to play with me, or ones that I'm nostalgic for and want to play again. And um, Crash Team Racing Nitro Fueled, the original Crash Team Racing is one of my favorite games, because the Crash Trilogy, the original Crash Trilogy, is one of my favorite games. So, my wife and I, we finally got it, and I've been playing it a lot, and I'm decent at it. I'm not great. Um, if you look up people who, like, play it, play it, like, gamer gamers, they fly through the tracks like nothing. They know all the ins and outs. They can... It's, it's nuts. But since I'm semi-competent at it, and Isaac's not... I was able to lord it over him in the entire weekend yeah. and just rub it in his face. He like, really did. I'm, I'm so used to Mario Kart, and these games are so similar to each other, but the few elements that differ are enough to throw me off that, like, I never adjusted. Like, my brain was to keep going, like, this is how it would work in Mario Kart. Shit, this isn't Mario Kart. Damn it. It kept throwing me off for the whole time we were playing. And I'm just... I'm better at Crash Team Racing than I am Mario Kart. I play Mar- I don't own a Switch or a Wii or anything, but I play Mario Kart a lot through you and through our friend Dan. And so I've played a lot of Mario Kart over the past few years, and I've always sucked at it. No matter how much I play it, I don't get better. Yeah. Because um, I just think the mechanics of the game just are a little bit too unfair, a little bit too... They're kind of Mario Kart's kind of a troll game. It kind of trolls you. Like it, it's much more chaotic. It's very much designed around like, hey, you could get blasted from first to last any second. And it's just as much as I love it, it infuriates me. <laughs> <laughs> but Crash Team Racing, which is in all honesty a clone, but it's a great clone of Mario Kart, and just how it functions and the mechanics of it, they're just a bit more fair. In my opinion, and not as chaotic. Yeah, and I and I think that it favors actual player skill over Mario Kart. Yeah, but then again, I'm an amateur, so I don't know. But that's just how I feel. Right. Is that your skill is rewarded more in Crash than it is in Mario Kart? So, team I, team team Crash team racing all all day. I definitely think there is a higher reward with the boosting, and I wish I'd figured it out sooner so I could have gotten good at it. But, uh, yeah, I think that the boosting is a lot... Because in Mario Kart, you hold, like, one button, and then once you start, like, sparking a certain color, you can just use your boost whenever you drift. But in Crash Team Racing, you actually have, like, a little meter you have to watch, and you can only do it, like, so quickly. If you do it too fast, you'll not get anything. You do it too slow, and you'll, like, spin out. So... I think that definitely adds a higher level of challenge for it. If somebody gets first place in Mario Kart, like, they're just going to keep that first place the entire race. Like, the chances of you actually usurping them for first place is it's just it's not going to happen. Mm. But if you're second and below, it's a constant struggle for placement in Mario Kart. Like, there's this joke, like... Between Dan and I, when we play, I I can't get out of fourth. Yeah. Like, my my baseline for Mario Kart is fourth place. Sometimes I'll get second. Sometimes I'll get third. Sometimes I'll get fifth. But 90% of the time, I'm in fourth, no matter what. Yeah. And it's ridiculous. I don't know how that works. I don't know why the universe hates me in that way. You're perfectly average. You're perfectly <laughs> average guess. at Mario Kart. I, I guess. But... 
I am better at battling in Mario Kart. Um, mm-hmm. I can actually beat Dan occasionally. I've always battle, sucked at so. the battles in Mario Kart because I'm so used to like go fast as you can get around a course, and then once you turn it into, oh, you actually have to, like, target people and move around and stuff, it, like, throws me off entirely. Anyway, well, this has been our first we, game we, review. We uh, finally it, talked about games. It's, it's a very weird kind of throw-in. You just want to throw in Dragon Ball Z Dead Zone, too? Because we, we watched that. <laughs> well, um, actually, isn't Digimon based off a game? Because weren't Digimon kind of Tamagotchis? Digimon? Or Tamagotchis were Digimon? They had those. I don't know if those were the originals or if it was after... Let's just look it up. Digimon. Uh, media franchise. Concept and creation. 1996, the Tamagotchi was released. Yep, Digimon was released first as a Tamagotchi knockoff. Oh, okay. So it wasn't even the original Tamagotchi. No. It was. It started off as a knockoff of another thing. Yeah, and then it became and a knockoff of a, into a knockoff of another of a different thing. thing. Yeah, but the paltry amount of research I did, um, a lot of fans of Digimon um, say that it is better in ways that Pokemon is not all that great. It's hilarious because we looked up like biggest differences between them, and every article we found was like going back and forth between why one was better than the other, and every reason they gave that why one was better than the other was the opposite of the other. It's like, Digimon has serious, uh, serialized story arcs, and they <laughs> said why Pokemon better is, like, Pokemon has light-hearted, episodic stories, and it's like, uh, yeah, okay. that was a comic book resources. Neither one of those tells me which one's better. They're just personal preference. But according to Digimon fans, um, Digimon beats Pokemon story-wise because the characters age and it tackles more mature themes occasionally. Um, I can't comment on that specifically because we haven't watched the damn show, but I'll take their word for it. <laughs> um, that's my biggest annoyance with the Pokemon anime is that it's this. It's been the same thing for over twenty years now. At this point, yeah. So, it's cool that something with that it, it, well, targeted to a specific demographic of young children actually has the balls to progress the story. So that's cool. Yeah, and switch out characters instead of just using one immortal ten-year-old forever. <laughs> Speaking of Pokemon, this is continuing my journey of becoming a weeb. Um. I started also reading the Pokemon Adventures, a.k.a. Pocket Monster Special manga. Oh, did you? And, yep, I only read the first volume, which is like the first 13 chapters. It's so good. Yeah. Like, it's so good. With Red and, like, getting Bulbasaur and everything. Yeah, it's, it's exactly, because I have a lot of nostalgia for Pokemon, but I mm-hmm. haven't engaged in the franchise in any meaningful way since Pokemon Go. And... I've wanted to kind of find a way to dip my toes back in it, but like since I'm not much of a gamer, I'm not going to get the games and invest time in the games anymore. That's just not something that I have time for. Um, the anime, sorry, d- fans, I'm sorry, but it doesn't hold up to me. I, I can't enjoy it like I did when I was a kid. Um, I still have a, a lot of nostalgia for the first two movies, though. I can still enjoy those. The third movie is so, actually a half-decent film on its own, right? So, I mean, those are the two main things, the, the games and the, and the anime. And I'm like, well, you know, sometimes, you know, you just have to let things go. You can't always enjoy everything from your childhood. So maybe you just got to let Pokemon be a nice memory. But I kept hearing that the Pokemon Adventures manga is so good. Yeah. And that, like, 
people should give it a shot. And I'm like, all right, why not? And like, it's exactly what I needed to get to get back into the world. Hell yeah, let's do a let's do an episode of the pod on that one whenever you get through a bit more. Yeah, if you want to start reading it, we well, can maybe I've, talk about the first couple volumes or yeah, I've got chapters or something. I've got it. I've got the oh, you, oh. yeah, I've got like the collectors edi- like the first three uh, collectors editions of them. I got from Books a Million a while back. Oh, cool, cool, cool. Yeah, yeah, that'll be fun. We'll do that one soon. Should we even do like review, review and stuff for the Digimon movie? <laughs> I, I mean, I think that'd be fun. Okay. Um, well, we didn't talk about Dead Zone. Oh, you want to do Dead Zone? We're just making this like an all over the place. Okay. <laughs> so our weekend was just us sitting around watching and playing a bunch of stuff because we're lazy. Um, and we watched the first Di- Dragon Ball Z movie, uh, Dragon Ball Z Dead Zone. I don't have notes on this, but quick plot review. It starts off with Piccolo getting attacked by these mysterious figures. And then um, those figures come to Goku's house and beat up his wife and father-in-law <laughs> and steal his kid for the Dragon Ball. Poor Chi Chi gets the shit kicked out of her. And then Gohan gets kidnapped for the Dragon Ball, even though they could have just taken the Dragon Ball off of his hat. They just decide to take the whole ass kid. So Goku has to find out who this is, what's going on. It turns out it's Garlic Jr., an ancient enemy of Piccolo, or not Piccolo, of Kami, uh, who his father wanted to be the Guardian of Earth. And when Kami was chosen instead, he led like an army against Kami and was banished to a realm called the Dead Zone. And his son, Garlic Jr., has come for revenge and also to gain immortality through the Dragon Balls. It's, it's, what are your thoughts? I want to hear your thoughts first. Uh, since I am still neck deep in watching through Kai and reading the manga, um, I was very, because you just kind of, bought it. You're like, hey, I bought the first Dragon Ball movie. Let's watch it. I'm like, oh, okay, cool. Um, and I, I think you established that pretty much most of the movies aren't canon. Yeah. So it's it's kind of, and I'm I'm not like a canon whore. Like I don't I don't care about <laughs> like oh it's canon. It's not canon. Where does it fit in the canon? Yeah. But the watching Dead Zone was kind of odd because it occupies this weird space. Like Piccolo still hates Goku. Uh, the Saiyans haven't showed up yet. Yeah. It would have um, technically taken place, like, before the events of Z. So kind of like a Z prequel. Yeah. And I will say that I, I definitely had fun watching it. I enjoyed it a lot. But for the f- first Dragon Ball Z movie, it's really slight. Yeah. It's like 45 minutes, and it's kind of just a long episode. Pretty Dragon much. Ball Z. It's pretty much just this little filler arc of, hey, they stole Gohan. We got to go get him back. Now, I, d- I don't know the history of, like, if the first Dragon Ball Z movie was, like, hyped or anything. Um, Surprisingly, or would- when Dragon Ball Z first came out, it wasn't that, like, well-received at first. It took a little while for Dragon Ball Z to pick up. Um, so, I don't really know how this was received when it first came out. Okay. Because I, I just... Because I'm comparing it to my ideas of how, you know, famous the franchise is yeah. and has been for so long to what that first movie is. I'm like, for the first movie and, you know, Dragon Ball Z, it just kind of was just an episode. It was a fun episode. It's a good episode, but it's still just an episode. Yeah. Um, my favorite part was Gohan just tripping balls <laughs> off of that fruit that he eats. He eats some D 
demon fruit. Fantastic. And he just starts, he goes on an acid trip, and he pisses in Krillin's <laughs> mouth at one point. <laughs> Uh, Toriyama's humor is so funny in that way. Like it's great. He just he just throws this lowball humor, like lowbrow humor, at you from time to time. And like for it shouldn't work, but it does. Mm-hmm. Like maybe maybe that's just my juvenile love of all kinds of lowbrow toilet humor. But yeah, go on, go on, tripping balls. Goku and Piccolo and Krillin, they show up to fight Garlic Jr. and his minions. And, like, we haven't seen Gohan for a bit. And then, like, they're standing off, and then, like, there was, like, a tense moment, and then there's a beat, and then all of a sudden, Krillin's getting pissed on. <laughs> <laughs> it's great. Oh, boy, poor Krillin. Um, so, yeah, that was the definite highlight of, <laughs> of Dead Zone. When that, I like- and I... I like the Garlic Jr. Um, he's a generic villain in, in the movie. I haven't seen the Garlic Jr. arc. I just, I like how Toriyama plays with size and power. Yeah. So I like how Garlic Jr. is just this little dude. He's like the size of Dende from, yeah, from Amic. Mm-hmm. And, he, and, he, and he kicks ass. Yeah. That's always, that's always fun. He's also, I think, the only Dragon Ball villain who actually successfully gets immortality. Like, out of all of the villains who, him. out of all the villains that want immortality, he's the only one who successfully acquires it. Good for him. Yeah. And um, on my journey through Kai, I am now in the first leg of the Android arc or the Android saga. Yeah. And um, I love the long, drawn-out nature of like the battles and the conflicts. But I think what I enjoy the show the most is when. There's kind of like the come down from all the fights and like just the episodes of like the characters reconnecting and, you know, having some banter and setting up the next plot. Yeah. Um, that stuff's the most charming to me. And I just love everything Vegeta does. Like, <laughs> I am such a Vegeta fan. Oh boy. <laughs> he's like, he's been walking around in like a in pink shirt or whatever that. Bulma gives him, and <laughs> Bulma doesn't put up with any of his nonsense, and I was shipping it, because I didn't spoil it for myself, that they get together and have Trunks, and then all of a sudden the show's just like, Trunks shows up and tells Goku that he's the son of Bulma and Vegeta, and I'm like, what? Bulma's <laughs> <laughs> he confirmed my ship? Nice. This is amazing. Nice. Yeah, Vegeta <laughs> cucked Yamcha. Oh, and it's all in Yamcha's so bent out of shape. <laughs> There's this great little moment. Uh, There's this great moment where they go to the spot where Future Trunks tells them to go to um, for to meet the androids for the first time. And Bulma's there with little Trunks. And... <laughs> And Krillin and everybody, they don't know. Like, they didn't. The only person who knew was Goku and Piccolo, who overheard because he has his big ears. Like, mm-hmm. that's the actual in story reasons because he has big ears. Yeah. You can hear. And everybody's like, What? You were pre- Whose baby is it? Vegeta's? And, like, <laughs> and they're like, You had Vegeta's baby? It just cuts to Yamcha, just like. Vegeta <laughs> 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 right. uh, just left immediately after impregnating her, too. <laughs> He's just like, I'm going to go back to space <laughs> and train. let this Earth woman control me for too long. Yeah. Oh, it's great. Th- that was our official Dragon Ball Kai Android update. song <laughs> yeah, update. Oh, and I I don't know if he's coming back again. I know he does come back like later on down the line, mm-hmm. but I don't know if he's coming back in Z. 
But um, I like how it starts you off thinking that it's just going to be the Frieza Saga 2.0 when his his daddy comes and picks him up and gives him an android body. Oh, yeah, and he's Frieza. Like, yeah, his friends are like, Daddy, they hurt me, Daddy. Bring me to Earth, Daddy, so I can kill him, Daddy. And King Cold is like, yeah, okay, which is his dad. Like, yeah, we're going to go kill those Saiyans and destroy Earth. And then everybody's freaking out, like, oh, my God, Breeze is coming back. Breeze is back, and he's stronger than ever. And his, he, he has his dad with him, and he's even stronger than that. And do we have a chance? And then Trunk shows up. Out of nowhere, yeah, Deus Ex Machina style, and wrecks their shit like it's nothing. Yeah, just Trunk. kills them, and I'm like, that was hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> like Goku and Vegeta and them didn't have to lift a finger. Mm-hmm. And um, obviously, I don't know if they come back after the Android Saga or anything like that. But for now, like they seem pretty dead. Like you know, what's hilarious crazy. about that whole thing is that. Goku has instant transmission now. He can teleport wherever the hell he mm-hmm. wants. He also has the about power to sense energy from like light years away and everything. So like he could have just instant transmission to Earth to help out and fight Frieza and like protect everybody, and he just didn't. He's just like, I'll just wait for the pod to arrive. <laughs> yeah, he lived <laughs> on in space for a year. Like, yeah. oh hey guys, I was training. I'm Goku. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> They're like, just bring our dad back to life. And he's like, he's not dead. And they're like, what? He's not? Then just bring him here. And Goku's like, nah, I'm going to stay and train in space. <laughs> I feel bad for Chi-Chi. Like, I know, I know a lot of fans don't like her because she's kind of like the yelling harpy kind of trope. Yeah. But like, <laughs> like she's, got a, she's got a point. She's oh, just yeah. fine doing everything that she does. She's she, like, my baby wants to be a scholar and his schooling's so important. Yeah. Goku keeps throwing her in, throwing Gohan into danger and also leaving for long periods of time. Chi Chi's got a pretty rough life. She, uh. Oh, and she gets kicked through a tree by Goku. Like, not kicked, but he's just trying, he's trying, (laughs) he's trying to comfort her. He's like, it's gonna be fine. And like, pats her on the shoulder and just pats her too hard. She goes flying through the, (laughs) through the house and like, through a tree, and it's just in, like, a body cast. It's just like, fine, you can take Gohan to fight. I don't care. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, that's where I'm at in Dragon Ball Z Kai. That's uh, Dragon Ball Kai. Dragon, Dragon Ball, Ball Z Kai. Yeah. I guess that kind of covers everything we were... We didn't even plan yeah. to talk about this much. This has been a weird episode. Let's do a little review review for the Digimon movie, because I do have some of those. So, Rotten Tomatoes score for the Digimon movie, 24% critic score, uh, and 66% audience score. How many reviews does it have for that 24%? For the 24, I think it was around 40 or something. Okay. The, the audience had like a thousand or more. I think it might have been even much higher than that. <laughs> it was like an absurd number of... Let me just check real quick, Rotten Tomatoes, because I remember being like, damn, a lot of people reviewed this. I'm honestly surprised that there's even that many critic reviews. Like, with, like, big releases, like, there's hundreds and hundreds of reviews on mm-hmm. Rotten Tomatoes, and 40 is really not a lot at all, but it's 41. that there's actually 40. Oh, Lord. I lowballed the audience score. It's not 1,000. It's 10,000 plus ratings. <laughs> that sounds... <laughs> For the audience I wonder. Score. I wonder if that was... I wonder if that was, like doctored at all. 
Uh, possibly. A lot of the audience reviews are just like, I was so nostalgic for this movie, and they don't talk about anything in the movie or how long it's been since any of them have watched it. They just say, I I loved this movie as a kid. Not to undermine the size of the Digimon fan base, but 10,000 reviews for the Digimon movie from 2000 sounds like a lot. Yeah. (laughs) And the Rotten Tomatoes audience scores are known to be brigaded by fanboys for things, so I wouldn't be surprised if there was some of that going on. Quite possibly. Let's go with this one from Victor G. Victor G says, Though it alters the story narrated in the series, and despite the less satisfying drawing, this film is an emotive and unmissable unmissable beautiful story of friendship. 3.5 out of 5 stars. So, Victor says that it alters the story narrated in the series. I guess it differs from the story in the actual main series. And also, despite the less satisfying drawing, I guess he means the animation's not as good as the series. Yes. But he's Which... saying that the emotion and beauty of beautiful story is what makes this work. I, did he... he's, he's allowed his opinion. I he, <laughs> he wasn't he wasn't a dick about it. He yeah. wasn't toxic about it. It's true. But I don't know how we can see the movie <laughs> and think that the animation is somehow below par. Because Especially compared to the show. When we yeah. watch when we watch the show it's kinda ugly, yeah. not gonna lie. They don't really they just kinda hop around and stuff. It wasn't like nearly as impressive as like Greymon like towering over there's a wonderful shot in the first segment of the movie where Greymon like runs over the kids and like the camera like follows him like underneath him as he ru- charges into battle. Like Yeah, there's a lot there's a lot of dynamic movement and there's really good camera movement and the animation is very smooth, but detailed in the movie. And the show, I like the character designs themselves in the show, mm-hmm. but the animation itself is pretty stiff. Yeah. So eh, to each his own, but this was an unmissable, beautiful story of friendship, such as sure. How Willis had a Digimon that turned him into a baby because friendship <laughs> Sure. <laughs> um, it, it, I guess. Yeah. I mean, on the surface level, it's it's about friendship and connection, and but it it does nothing to garner any sort of deeper thought than oh, it's a, it's a movie about friendship. Yeah. That's about it. Uh, the Pokemon movie even does better, I think. The Pokemon movie actually has a cohesive plot. You can follow what's happening in the Pokemon movie. Like, for all its faults, it's still like, oh, I don't know much about Pokemon, but I can tell that this is what's going to be happening throughout this film instead of yeah, three. You can throw a parent in the movie theater back when the Pokemon movie came out, and they can still get the gist. Yeah. Digimon, no way. They'd look at their kid and be like, you like this shit? I mean, yes. <laughs> and that's a, that reminds me of a point I wanted to make earlier. I really like most of the designs for the Digimon. Like, mm-hmm. Agumon, Greymon, like, that just hits my inner kid, like, right in the in the middle. Like, there's a point. Like, oh, big cool dinosaur. I love Yeah. Oh, big cute kind of we- wolf looking thing. I love it. But, like, there's no, unless the show kind of gets into it at some point, there's no rhyme or reason really to the digi- to the digivolutions. Yeah, they just like, happen. Yeah, they kind of happen 
and they get progressively less like what they originally were. Like, <laughs> Wait, just- one of them was a cat that turns into like an angel woman, and then she yeah. turns into like this big furry dragon, like never ending story looking thing. Like- <laughs> The Dead Evolutions make us have a certain visual logic to them up to a point yeah. until they completely go off the rails. Like, how do you start off as like a cute animal kind of thing and then turn into like this badass mech angel with like <laughs> swords and blowing like cloaks and like what? <laughs> what happened? What was the transition stage here? I like how a lot of the design is also just, like, after a certain point, it's like, how do we add on to this Digimon? Let's throw some guns on it. (laughs) Yeah. Some cannons, some guns. Like, War Greymon is just Greymon with some metal shit strapped onto him. Yeah, there's no sort of internal logic to the Digivolutions after after a point. Yeah. But I I do like how they can de-evolve. That's fun. I like that. Yeah. It's fun that you, cool you, can, you can hang out with them in their cute little form and then turn them into their big badass form when they need to. Yep. Unless, only frickin' Pikachu could just stop being a stubborn <laughs> ass and turn into a Raichu, but Raichu, no. Raichu's can't have so our... much better. Raichu doesn't get nearly <laughs> enough love because that stupid Pikachu just refused to evolve, and now he's you stuck just... as the mascot. <laughs> You just figured all of the Pokemon fan base. I like, don't give a Pikachu shit. Pikachu is the Mickey Mouse. I like of, Pikachu. Of the 21st Listen, and 20th century. I love Pikachu. He's a cute little mouse Pokemon. Raichu is also cute and more powerful and... Yeah. He's like the cool older brother Pokemon. Like, right, right, right. He's, like, he's, cool. he's a big chubbier version of Pikachu with a longer, more, like, energetic looking tail. He's He's adorable. <laughs> and I really don't think, and again, speaking as a layman, I don't follow the the Pokemon anime anymore. Yeah. But it just strikes me as a fear to ironically evolve. Are they afraid of backlash if they have, po- if, if they have Pikachu evolve? No, it's, it's like, literally because he's the face of the company at this point. And he was, he was kind of the face of the company, like, before the anime, before, too. Yeah. Like, I don't know when exactly it happened. But, like, sometime after Red and Blue released, people just latched onto Pikachu, and they're like, well, this is going to be our mascot from here on out. I guess I don't know what I'm talking about, because I don't watch it anymore, but it's still going strong. I, I mean, I guess that's why it loses fans, like, as they get older, because, like, the show's still doing the same formula. Yeah. Still telling the same story with the character stuck in Arrested Development. Like, yeah. how... If if they if if the anime announced that they were gonna evolve Pikachu, mm-hmm. maybe age up Ash a little bit, that would instantly get me back on board. I'd be like, "Ooh, I gotta watch the latest season." Or, that or have like, him do something aside from just the regular ass gym challenge. You know, like every yeah. season is just like, "Oh, Ash is gonna try and take on the Pokemon League, and he's gonna fail again." Except for like one season where he wins, and it's like. Man, maybe really focus in on the, like, bad guy story arc. Like, really hone in on that. Make that the main focus. Or, you know, maybe trying to go after a legendary or something. Like, go for something aside from, I'm gonna battle all the gym leaders and be the very best like no one ever was. It's like, this is the same thing you've been doing for every season, forever. 
And I, I don't want to uh, run over any of future talking points for the Pokemon manga episode that we're going to do, but just 13 chapters of reading that, like, Red is a much more dynamic character than Ash. Yeah. He's more competent. He's not as obnoxious. He does things. <laughs> he, he does things. <laughs> like, like, Ash is kind of... He seems to... The, the more I'm learning about anime and manga and the tropes and characteriz- characterizations, Ash just kind of seems to embody, like, everything that, like, people who live in this world dislike about anime protagonists. He just kind of seems like every bad cliche I hear about. What do I know? <laughs> you know, it's it's a worldwide phenomenon. It's huge. And, oh I mean, well, you know. Oh well. I also sucks. like how we've completely jumped out of review. review. <laughs> <laughs> We're not even talking about the Digimon movie anymore. <laughs> it's fine. A lot of these reviews... Hashtag Ty better than Ash. Yeah. Fight me. I will say Ty's funnier than Ash. Just because, he has cooler hair than Ash. Just because of the rapid fire, like, comedy that they threw in there. Fuck the rest of these review reviews. I think we've been all over the place with this one. Uh, I do want to give some recommendations, though. Um, and they're all going to be from the animation director for the Digimon movie, Hasoda, because he's made some really high-quality movies that aren't just beautiful, but actually have, like, good stories and characterization to them. And I think that people need to actually take the time and watch, you know some of his best work instead of like this piece of shit that he got his name thrown on. <laughs> um, so the first one is Summer Wars. I talked about it a little bit. It's got a very similar plot to like the second part of the Digimon movie where like there's this virus in the internet and it's taking over everything and they have to stop it before it like destroys the world with by launching like nukes and everything. Um, it's a fun, it's a fun story. It's got some interesting bits where like, this one guy is just hanging out with this whole enormous family, and they fi- he finds out that like the guy who created the virus is in this family. Um, it, it, it's fun enough. It's a much better version of the second part of the Digimon movie. So if you liked the general vibe of that, go watch Summer Wars because it's a lot more. It's like it's just a better version of that. And um, this is a movie, right? Yeah, Summer Wars is a movie. These are all anime I've, movies. I've never heard of it, so I might have to check it out. Yeah, Hasoda's a great uh, direct, great animation director. He's got some really good stuff. Um, the Girl Who Leapt Through Time. Have you ever heard of that one? Uh huh. I did. I have heard of that one. Uh, it's about a girl who can leap through time after an encounter. Uh, with another time traveler that she spends the whole movie trying to like figure out you know, what this power is, how it works, um, where it came from. Uh, and she spends the whole time also just kind of fixing her day-to-day life by using this power to, like, just go back in time whenever she messes something up until she realizes at one point, oh, wait, there's a limit to how many times I do this. So if I do this too many times, I can't go back and fix anything else from happening. So this girl, it's kind of just like a slice of life, like girl going through high school drama, having to deal with her daily problems. But then she discovers time travel and gets to, like, fix all of her problems or make them worse, depending on how she reacts to them. Uh, It's a fun story. It's got kind of a confusing ending, if I remember correctly. But um, I really enjoyed that one, too. Uh, Wolf Children is another Hasoda film. Uh, this one is about a woman who falls in love with a shapeshifter who turns into a wolf. They have kids together, and then the shapeshifter dies early on in the movie. Um, 
And then she has to raise these two children that are shapeshifters, that are basically werewolves that can transform back and forth at will between wolf and person. And it does a great job of sort of examining, like, like what is it that makes us human versus what is it that connects us to our more animalistic side, um, and whether or not these kids will, you know, accept their human half or their wolf half and how they're going to live uh, is sort of the main theme of this one. This one, uh, I, this one's pretty emotional because this, this poor woman is raising two werewolves on her own out in the country and she barely gets by. And it's really like, it's, it's ha- kind of hard to watch her have to deal with all this shit because she's wildly unprepared for dealing with these two kids, just transforming back and forth into wolves. The boy and the beast the Boy and the Beast. This is one about a kid who enters an alternate world where there are beast people, and they... Uh, for, I'm trying to remember. It's been a while since I've watched this one. Uh, the beast people... Wow. It's been a while. Uh, the beast people can turn into... they can, like I don't think all of them can, but whoever their leader is, if they serve for enough years as like the leader of this land, they can ascend to godhood. And when they do that, they, like, grant one wish and also, like, choose their successor. And the boy ends up going under the tutelage of this beast man who's, like, a bear um, to see if, like, the boy just has nowhere to go. He, like, he, he doesn't have any parents or anything. He doesn't have, like, a life. So he grows up under the tutelage of this beast man who's, like, going to be maybe the next successor if he can win in this tournament. And it's just this heartwarming story of, like, you know, here, the, you know, the adoptive son angle. Like, oh, I don't really like this kid, but oh, I'm kind of learning to like the kid, and I guess I'll make him into my protege and everything. And I love that trope. It, it's a pretty fun one for that trope, um, the adoptive son angle. It's got some great action sequences in it, too, because, like, the tournament that they use to, like, determine whoever it is, it's like a fighting tournament. So there's some great action sequences where, like, the beast people, like, fight each other and everything, so that's pretty good. Uh, and then the last one that I know from Hasoda that I would want to recommend is Mirai. And this one is kind of confusing to describe because it's about a little boy whose parents have, like, another kid, a little girl... Um, and he just hates the baby because it's like the baby's taking all the attention away from him and everything. And like, he's having to deal with being an older brother. And then the older version of his baby sister comes back in time to like scold him. And it's just this whole story about this kid, like coming to terms with like, I'm a big brother now and I have to watch out for this little baby, uh, my little sister. But it's told through the, sort of the lens of like the little sister becoming a big sister figure to him because she comes back in time to like talk to him and everything. So the, they all have very interesting, unique plots. Um, I would say my favorite out of them is probably Wolf Children or Boy and the Beast. Uh, but all of those by Hasoda, like I said, beautiful animation, uh, some really interesting storytelling, and I recommend all of those. Yeah, um, I'm gonna have to check them all out because I've I've heard of all of them except for Summer Wars. So anything else, I guess, before we end this one really, really early? <laughs> I don't think so. All right. Well, this will just be a short episode. Um, this has been Tongue and Geek, where two white guys on the internet give their unsolicited opinions on all things geeky. Uh, once again, thank you for joining us, and remember. 
you can't get back the time you spent listening to us. So don't even try. Yeah. Even though it wasn't that much this week. Yeah.